Hello, and thank you all for joining us once again on the Kansas Canopy Podcast. My name is Ariel Whiteley-Knoll. I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Kansas Forest Service. This is Season 3, Episode 3 of the podcast, and today we are celebrating Women's History Month in March, and I have with me Kim Bomberger, who is a community forester for the Northeast District. Kim, thank you so much for being on with me today. Not my normal thing to do, so... <laughs> Appreciate you stepping out of your comfort zone, as always, which actually sort of leads us into our topic. So you joined the agency in 2003 at the end of this month as your anniversary, your 20-year anniversary. What did it look like coming into this agency as a female forester? Were there other women working in forestry when you joined the agency? Well, at the time that I was uh, being interviewed and then brought on, uh, no, there there were no other women that uh, were in the agency. There had been. I had researched uh, the agency before uh, my interview. I had uh, just looked at who had been here, and and I think I knew that there had been women here before, so that you know, that wasn't a foreign thing I knew for this agency. So when I say community forester, what does that job entail? Is it out in the woods? Is it behind the desk? What does that work look like? Well, actually, it's it's a mix of being in the field, working with community partners, and it's spending quite a bit of time also in the office, following up on those field visits. Um, if we've done something like an inventory or an assessment, a recommendation of some kind. It's also coming back and it's writing it uh, also so that then the community can utilize that for their own purposes, for their education, for discussion with others in their community. What do you think is your favorite thing about being a forester? I enjoy the people component of this job like the absolute most. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of fun also seeing uh, trees that I maybe have never seen before. I hadn't seen much of before. I really love seeing the big giant trees because then that's when you can see a tree in all its glory, its mature bark, its form. So it's kind of a, uh, a great opportunity just to have that little surprise of the day. So definitely for me, it's being out with people being around them. And actually, uh, I'm inspired when I'm out with people. You see what they're attempting to do in their community. You see what they are doing. And the fact that they just, they, they accomplish a lot. Mm -hmm. Community forestry can be tough. It's tough to, for communities to do everything they want to do. But you know, they, they're always trying. And yeah. that's very uh, inspiring to me. So as a female forester at the time that you joined the agency, the only one, and now you're not, we have Katie and Jamie and EJ. Do you feel like being a woman in a field that can be male dominated, it isn't currently in our agency. Do you think that has specific challenges? Has it challenged you at all through your career? Well, you know, I've been in the workplace so more than 30 years now. And, and yeah, definitely there, there's aspects of, you know, more than 30 years of being a female in the workplace, mm -hmm. definitely about that. Um, but, you know, I think uh, women bring certain characteristics to the field. We, we may look at something differently because, you know, because of the experiences we've had, uh, you know, but sometimes, honestly, Ariel, I can look at things and I can definitely understand a male point of view. Right. Uh, 
been around a lot of guys. Uh, I grew up on a farm. I was the youngest of dairy farmers. So I spent a lot of time with my dad and I spent a lot of time uh, with uh, even our neighboring farmers because in farm country, you help each other when you can and when the need's there and when it's requested. So I, you know, I was around a lot of guys as I grew up and uh, even professionally, some of my summer jobs in college, I was the only gal, you know, on the, on the work crew. I worked, actually, I worked for a couple of professors and, and um, with the few people they had working either at the horticulture farm or helping with their research. For instance, those were my first jobs off the farm. And I was the girl with the guys. And, uh, you know, that's just, that was kind of my evolution. And honestly, I didn't ever think about that. Like, I'm the only girl here. You know, maybe, maybe I did uh, caution (laughs) some of the things I might have said, (laughs) but, um, and none of them bad folks, but this just is something that I didn't give a lot of thought about. Mm -hmm. Um, My, my folks, I have uh, a lot to thank them for on how they raised me. My being a female was never a reason for me not to do something. Um, Yeah, you know, definitely I couldn't throw the hay bale like my bigger, stronger brother, no doubt about that. But that just wasn't part of my upbringing, the limitations of the gender and what you can do. And, And they definitely supported me on anything I wanted to do. And, you know, you just, you just did. And uh, they were very supportive of me. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why I just didn't think anything of it. I came from, like I said, a farm background around a lot of guys and, and men in those days. And of course, as I got into my career and, and for me, that just, I, I haven't dwelled on that. Yeah. It's been part of your culture and kind of your evolution. Absolutely. I think it's really important. You know, you've shared with me before that you grew up on a farm and that that has very much impacted your view of, I have every right to be here and I enjoy this work and, and I'm going to keep, you know, keep going on. What would your advice be for women who maybe didn't come from an agriculture background or who want to be part of an industry that's very male dominated and maybe you're apprehensive about pursuing something in science or something in agriculture? Well, my, my first uh, suggestion is to not let what you perceive stop you. Mm-hmm. If you want to do something and it matters to you and you're passionate about it, just do it. Are there going to possibly be challenges? Well, possibly. You know, you never know. But, you know, if you if you want to be in a career field, you just find your way. Yeah. Uh, you just you just do it. And there are going to be, you know, maybe um, it's not your first job. That's wonderful for you. Maybe it's it's just as you go down your path, I just wouldn't let, I'm the only gal or uh, I think I'm going to be uncomfortable in this because as you get to know people, I've, I've had the real privilege in the last 20 years of getting to know a lot of people and I've been treated well uh, by, by both men and women, of course. Right. And uh, if you want to be in this field, then you build your skills, you build your credentials, you get all the experience you can, 
in the area that you want to be in and you just do it. Yeah. Don't, don't live in your mind about, oh, you know, I'm the only girl around here. <laughs> don't do that. Right. Believe in yourself, believe that you're capable and you, and you have the, um, uh, the training mm -hmm. you've got it. Yeah. I I'm going on here, but believe in yourself and do it. And I think that competency point and that training is really critical that you want to feel like you're doing a good job and you're coming from a place that you know what you're talking about. Did you know when you went to school that forestry specifically was what you were going for? Or is it like you said, you know, you entered a few jobs after you had left the family farm and, and sort of figured it out from there. What sort of directed you on that path to your current to position? Here? Yeah. Well, my, my path had some branches in it. Actually, my uh, degree focus in horticulture at K-State was in horticulture and, and it was production horticulture and my first job out of uh, college was at a, actually a garden center mm -hmm. in Wichita. So I was able to, um, well, you know, greenhouse, the component of that. Yep. So bringing the crops in, growing a few of the crops, helping the customer, that was part of it. I eventually wound up working for a large, large wholesale greenhouse in Carthage, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And so that was like full-time production. And so utilizing my pesticide applications technique class was important there. Uh, and the production horticulture was there. And then along the way, I actually got out of the field for a time and uh, started working on my master's in adult and continuing education, again, from K-State. Yep. I had completed a, uh, an associate's degree and, and I'm talking about this because sometimes our path, yeah, I, I had no clue that yeah. I was going to be here the last 20 years, but those were the years that got me to here mm -hmm. and got me to be selected for this position. So, you know, I, I looked at, uh, <laughs> when, when, about the year 2000, that was like when computers were becoming a thing. And so I was curious. I was curious about this thing called the internet and yeah. what could you do with it? And then I saw an opportunity maybe to reach rural populations with the internet because I was extremely interested in, in the educational uh, opportunities mm -hmm. for, for people in rural areas that maybe uh, driving to a campus uh, might be difficult for them. Maybe having courses near them would yeah. be uh, what could be done to help them, either their farm venture, their family, whatever it might be, their business. And so it was where I was working on my master's degree and I was about nine hours from uh, being completed with that, that this uh, job became open. And uh, we were living south of Wichita. We were looking to move north toward Manhattan to, to actually uh, return somewhat to the family farm. I live across the road now from the farm that I grew up on. And, uh, and, it, and it was just this path. And this yep. position became open. And I just looked at that and went, hmm, <laughs> that looks interesting. And I called one guy that I knew, uh, an extension agent. And he says, oh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So then I encouraged me to, to put my application packet in and, and go for it. Yeah. And here we are. And here we are 20 years later. Yeah. 
I think that's so important to, to recognize, you know, I love your metaphor of branches, obviously, <laughs> that you go down these paths, because even though that wasn't something that you ultimately pursued, that still serves you. You're my best website proofreader. You know, it's still, it's still helpful. And I think even sometimes the paths that we go down that don't work out, help us more than we realize. Oh, absolutely. I have utilized so much of the lessons learned, the skills, the experience from the last 30 years uh, in this position. Uh, I've, I've used darn near all of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I have one final question for you, Kim, and I'm throwing it back to Valentine's Day. I went around and asked everybody their favorite trees, and I never <laughs> circled back around you like I told you I would. So I want to give you an opportunity officially for the record. For the record. Kim, what's your favorite tree? Well, my response, Ariel, was going to be, it depends. Oh, there it is. Because, <laughs> folks, uh, if if you kind of are a tree nerd, um, I have different trees that I just really love. And a lot of it depends on the season. Yeah. So, for instance, we don't plant a lot of sycamores in communities. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, you know, they're there and they're wonderful most of the time. But this time of year... On my drive to Manhattan and to my home, you can see a lot of the big old silhouettes of the the uh, sycamores on yeah. on the, the creeks that uh, are in rural uh, Geary County and rural Morris, or Morris and Riley County in this area. So that's my favorite tree this time yeah. of year. But then let's get into spring and looking at um, anything that flowers. Mm -hmm. um, Service berry is my favorite spring flower. Yeah, I would say that's, and you know, that's not a, it's used now more than maybe it was. I think it's underutilized. That's my yeah. plug for the service yeah. berry. But you know, even the red buds as yep. overused and as common as they are to see them uh, in their clusters in the hills and in Beautiful. the ravines, yeah. in communities, in yards. Uh, so for me, it depends. I have a lot of favorites, truth be told. <laughs> I, I was kind of wondering, because when you said, you know, Ariel, I had one picked out. I thought, what one tree? <laughs> but you couldn't pick us. No, I, I don't have just one favorite. Well, that's a good way to go. Is there anything else you wanted to share today, Kim? Well, you know, it's just been a real privilege and an honor to have been able to do um, this type of work the last almost 20, you know, 20 years in here in March. And, and it's just, there are so many wonderful people yeah. that work in our state, that are in our state, that are trying to make a difference in their communities. And that's just been a fun and that's been a privilege to, to be around that. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. I will put one plug in um, talking about our ladies in forestry. EJ Jamison, who is our newest female forester, is going to be joining me for our March book club. We're going to be talking about the last Wild Places in Kansas book. So that is going to be at the end of the month. Make sure to check out our events page, and I will link that in this podcast. Uh, but have a nice sandwich. Our most experienced female forester and our newest forester all in March, Women's History Month. So, As it should be. Yes, we're taking, taking the month over. <laughs> so thank you again, Kim, yeah. so much for well, being thank on. thank you, Ariel. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been the Kansas Canopy Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe.